0: Hello out there, all you movie lovers. You're tuning in to another episode of Movies and Things. And as you know, I'm your host, Caten Barry. And so I want to welcome you to this week's newest episode. We're kind of continuing uh, my series of Halloween-based reviews because it is October. And, you know, what better way to get into the Halloween season than talking about some Halloween movies and entertainment. So like I said, thank you for tuning in. Once again, my name is Cate and Barry. If you want, you can go find our podcast fan page on Facebook. It's just called Movies and Things, a podcast. That's the name of the Facebook fan page. Go give it a like. You'll get a lot of updates on there as well. When we post new episodes, things like that. If you want, you can reach out to me on social media. I'm just Kate and Barry on Facebook or Cate on Instagram You know, if you have any questions for me, just reach out to me on there on the fan page. Anyways, so like I said, this is we're continuing my series of Halloween based reviews. And this week we're going to be talking about the Disney Pixar film Coco and some experiences that I've had, um, not just watching the film, but in how I've seen it uh, impact the kind of the culture around me and some of the things I've seen so like I said first what we're going to do is we're going to talk about uh, my general thoughts on the film if you haven't seen it, it is a great Disney Pixar film came out a couple years ago I highly recommend it not only do I think it's one of the best Pixar movies of the past few years I think it's one of the best Pixar films period like I would put it up there with Toy Story and Monsters Inc and up Um, so anyways, so we're going to talk about that first. And then after we take a quick break from that, I'm going to come back and we're going to talk about some experiences that I've had seeing how Coco, the film specifically has impacted, uh, kind of just the world around me, the world around us, because it has a very culturally impactful message that talks, that, uh, reaches out to all cultures. Anyone can relate to it. So, yeah, once again, uh, thanks, thank you guys for tuning in, and be sure to stay tuned for the discussion after this. All right, so let's talk about Coco. Personally, I love this movie. It's probably one of my, it's definitely one of my favorite Pixar movies, ever out of all of them one of my favorites and it's also definitely one of my favorite Disney movies of the past you know 5 5 years yeah 5 years or so it's just a great movie what i like about it is well before i say what i like about it i'll tell you how i remember feeling before it was released so before Coco came out, there was actually another film, kind of similar to it, called The Book of Life. And that was animated by a company here in Dallas, Texas, called Real FX. And I had seen that movie. I watched it on Netflix once. I thought it was visually interesting, but emotionally lacking. And But the similarities between Coco and The Book of Life are obvious because they're both films that use Dia de los Muertos as its focus. And I was excited about that before seeing Coco for the first time because as many of you all know, Halloween that we have here in the U.S., it's kind of a... It kind of is a branch off from Dia de los Muertos. We kind of took the Spanish tradition and... You know, Americanized it, if you will. So I was really curious to see Coco to learn more about that holiday and whatnot. But I was also a little nervous because, again, the subject matter, it's about Spanish culture. And I was curious to see if a film about Spanish culture would be able to uh, connect with me or an American audience emotionally and it definitely did (laughs) you could say that Coco I will say this when I saw Coco for the first time in theaters I think I actually cried more during Coco both happy and sad than I did when I saw Toy Story 3 and that is really a testament to Coco's power because with Toy Story 3 with that ending and whatnot there already is the uh, pre-built in nostalgia for the Toy Story franchise from the other two movies. With Coco, this was a brand new movie. We were audiences were being introduced to these characters for the very first time, and you know it was it was just really great how they took these characters and through great writing made the audience care. And what I loved about Coco was that even though it is about Spanish culture, the story and the lesson are lessons that appeal to everyone. Another thing that appe- that appealed to me about the film before I saw it was... I had read that this film, obviously, since Dia de los Muertos, that means Day of the Dead, this film was going to be talking about death in an interesting way. And I thought that was really interesting because there's really only a few animated films that really talk about death and how to deal with it. The best example, obviously, is The Lion King. And, you know, there are so many... Tropes that you see in so many animated films these days that, you know, you feel like its they're just typical tropes. But death is not really one of them. Death and how to deal with it is not a typical trope you see in an animated film. So I was really excited to see how Disney and Pixar were going to tackle death again and in a different way. And they do. What I like about this film, without giving away too much, is that it... How do I put this? It basically talks about how it's important when someone passes away to carry on their memory. That is a really, really powerful message. It talks about why that's important, what that means, and it's just, it does a really good job of explaining kind of a difficult concept in a very simple way. Some animated movies do that better than others. This one definitely does. As for the plot, it's about a boy named Miguel who wants to essentially play music. And he idolizes this man named Ernesto de la Cruz who has produced some of the best Spanish music he's ever heard. He is Miguel's main inspiration to play guitar. And, you know, he kind of... Ernesto de la Cruz... And his influence on Miguel are what kind of drive the story. It's what eventually uh, causes Miguel to actually cross over into the world of the dead and interact with some of his ancestors there and things like that. And that plot, you know, it sounds really simple. And when I first saw Coco, I thought to myself, well, because Miguel, he lives in a family that has a very strict grandmother who bans music and for good reason and yet Miguel really wants to play music and the first time I saw Coco that actually made me a little nervous because I just thought to myself oh it's th- it's the th- plot of footloose again someone bans music and you know there's the person that wants to bring music back and you know, you know how that story is going to end. And... I hate Footloose, truthfully. Um, both the original and the remake. I think... I... <laughs> well, I don't think the original is, like, one of the worst films of all time. Like I said, a lot of people love it. But I just don't like it. It doesn't appeal to me. And so anything that reminds me of Footloose... Kind of automatically gets a knock for me. But, fortunately while the whole story about Miguel wanting to play music and his grandmother banning it while that is kind of the igniting thing in the story's plot that is kind of the base it goes beyond that once it gets into actually teaching the moral of the story that's where I can't that that's where the film's greatest strengths shine and I can't get into too much of how the plot plays out actually plays out here because that spoils a lot of the film and what I'll definitely say about Coco is to be fair and I experienced this the first time I saw it the first somewhere between like I'd say the first act maybe the first mm, 40% of the film is kind of just setting up this world and it has a lot of fun little jokes you get elements of the story things like that and you know at first well at least when I first saw it I thought to myself I said this is all really cute and funny and I like these ideas but they weren't really connecting to anything with me but then like I said the last half or 60% of the film kind of takes all the elements that the audience is introduced to in the first part of the movie and they all kind of feed into the morals and it's just really powerful like I said it kind of sucks that I don't want to spoil it because it's hard not to spoil but how all the elements of the film fit together to serve the story and what the moral eventually is and the lesson and how the film plays out everything in the movie is there for a reason you start to realize even the things that you thought were just a little joke or something at the beginning they turn into huge plot points and that's uh that's just really cool i love seeing how the film takes the basic elements and essentially not only does it work them into the story, but because it works them into the story those elements are kind of revol- evolved and another great thing about coco aside from the great animation the characters yada 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 is actually the music i personally even though i've never specifically celebrated dia de los muertos or anything like that you know if you've ever been to a, a mexican restaurant you hear all the music it's all it's all this kind of music, all this Spanish music that you hear with the guitars and the love songs and things like that. And while I wouldn't go as far as to call this film a musical, it's, a, it's definitely a film that is full of music and songs, if that makes sense. It is a musical in the sense, I guess, that there are songs that do play out and there are songs you can sing along to. But they aren't full-blown, with the exception of one, they aren't really full-blown musical numbers like you would see in a typical Disney film, I don't know, like Beauty and the Beast or something like that. You know, there's never really any musical numbers where everybody around seems to be involved in it. It's usually just a couple characters singing. And a lot of times it's on a stage as well to a crowd that's watching. And... There's one song in particular that's kind of the film's main song. It's called Remember Me. And again, this is another strong point of the film. I've never seen really any animated movie, definitely any, definitely animated movie, take what is sort of its theme song and... They performed this song, Remember Me, this song is performed uh, three different times throughout the film. And each time it's performed, depending on who performs it and what the situation is and the context, even though the song has the same words and, you know, it has the same lyrics and things like that, how it's presented each of the three times shows you how the same song it can be the exact same song but if you put it in a different scenario it can have a completely different meaning which I just thought was phenomenal I can think of very very few films that have ever done anything like that and that's just it's one of the many strengths that Coco has. Coco is a great film to watch, not even around Halloween. Like I, you know, I've watched it recently. Well, I guess this wouldn't be recently, but I've watched it many times in the past in the, you know, summer, winter. And that's because again, the message is universal. It's not, you know, something that only, Uh, Spanish crowd could relate to or it's not something that could really only be taught you know around Halloween or something like that it has a universal message about how do you carry on the legacy of family members and friends that you've lost and it just does a great job of doing that the film is also very colorful which is appropriate given that Dia de los Muertos is, you know, it's a very colorful holiday. It's it's hard to describe Coco in few words because it felt, at least when I saw it, I think it came out, um, I would compare it to Black Panther in a lot of ways because, you know, even though... There have been lots of great, heartfelt Pixar films before. And with Black Panther, there have been lots of great, again, heartfelt superhero films before. Black Panther and Coco, they both teach lessons that are very pertinent, not only to right now, but to all generations and to all different cultures. In spite of the fact that they're both about specific cultures, the lessons they teach are lessons anyone can relate to that's what i love about coco the most is the lesson it made me a a semi grown-ass man cry it's guaranteed to make anyone watch it cry if you watch if you watch coco and you don't cry either in a good or a bad way because like i said it can do both then you just have no soul and so yeah i just love this movie and so i'm gonna kind of end this segment there but i have more to say about an experience another experience i had watching this film and we're going to talk about that right after the break so stick around Alright everybody, so welcome back to my discussion on the film Coco. So, already got my uh, general thoughts of the film itself out of the way. But now what I want to talk about is I want to talk about an experience that I actually had uh, last year with watching the film at a screening. And so, yeah, so I'm going to tell you about that. So, as some of you know, I, in my spare time, am... I I write screenplays and things like that. And last year, I went down to the Austin Film Festival because I was competing in the Austin Film Festival pitch competition. Basically, what that entailed was I I wrote a script for a film based on pandas. You can read about you can read it on my website, and I was going to do a pitch based on that script to some. Um, top writers in Hollywood and as for that contest long story short I didn't win but I placed very well I placed in the top 10% and made it to the finals out of like 200 people so and the prize for that the number one prize was basically just uh, a free badge to come next year to the festival and I'm going down to the festival uh, not competing any, in anything this year but I'm going down next weekend so but you don't have to be competing in anything to go to the festival it's just competitions and things that's that's one thing you can do and so but that was what brought me down to the festival last year and so when you go down to the Austin Film Festival they have all different kinds of things for writers or just general uh, fans of film it's not very celebrity-based, so you don't see a lot of, you know, it's not like San Diego or New York Comic-Con where celebrities come out and, you know, they talk about all the new Marvel movies and you get all the Avengers there. It's not celebrity-based. Uh, it's more uh, film writer, film production-based. And so one of the events that they had last year when I was down there was they were having a screening of Coco. And this was very appropriate because, um, at least in recent years, I don't know, there might've been some different years before, but the Austin film festival is always held usually right before Halloween, or at least, uh, the main weekend of the Austin film festival is around Halloween. So it was very appropriate to have a film, a film screening of Coco around that time. And This film screening was actually open to anybody in the public. You didn't have to be even attending the festival. You could just show up to the screening. And that was great. But what they did before the screening was they had kind of a Dia de los Muertos festival down in downtown Austin where they had uh, parade floats and food and games and all these things where... The community, not just the people attending the festival, but the community could really come together and just celebrate togetherness. And that's sort of part of what Dia de los Muertos is about, is just like any holiday, being together with family, friends, letting people know you're there for them, supporting them. And so, like I said, they had lots of really cool parade floats. I wish I still had my pictures of them. And obviously since they were showing coco later in the day for free to the public there were lots of coco based floats and games and toys being sold it was just an awesome event and so went to go see coco at the theater that day and it was really cool because got to see a lot of hispanic kids there and people from all different cultures not just hispanic or white whatever but people from all different cultures were coming to watch that movie and again like i said earlier coco is a film that in spite of its setting speaks to all uh people from all different walks of life and it was just so cool to see an animated film or just a film in general have such such a power like that And the neat thing about that screening in particular Also was after the screening One of the uh, writers of Coco I forget what his name was I probably should have looked that up before I did this podcast But I didn't So he was there <laughs> um, Talking about his experience writing the film And how I believe he said that he was uh, Part him. Hispanic as well and he noticed that you know in children's media especially there's not a lot of and there's not a lot of animated films about Hispanic or Spanish people and so he and the rest of the team at Pixar were very inspired by that and they actually went down to a couple Dia de los Muertos festivals and talked about And then, you know, they talked with a lot of the different, uh, people down in Mexico trying to understand the culture because that's what Pixar does for all their films. They do, they really do their research. I know that when they were doing Finding Nemo and Finding Dory, they sent all of their writers on these mandatory, uh, scuba diving excursions to learn more about the ocean. They had to take classes in marine biology, so... For pretty much any Pixar film, except for maybe Cars 2, um, those writers are always sent to do research. And so that's what they did with Coco. They actually went down to Dia de los Muertos festivals down in Mexico. And, you know, they had to take that inspiration that they got, as well as uh, this guy's own heritage. They had to take that and put that into the movie. And it really shows... Because a lot of times when you see movies come out like this that try to represent a certain demographic, a lot of times post-release, you hear people from the demographic saying that they didn't feel like they were properly represented, things like that. But that hasn't been the case with Coco. I've yet to hear any of any scenario where uh, anyone has felt like it was a poor representation of Hispanic culture or anything like that and so yeah that was just a a great experience that i had watching that film now i believe the film that wasn't the first time i'd seen the film it had been out of theaters for a while i think by last year i think it might have been a year or two old so probably explains why they had the screening for free as well and so anyway so i am going back to the awesome film festival this coming weekend I look forward to doing that I'm not competing in anything I'm going more just to enjoy it this time but so I want to branch off from that experience a little bit and talk about um just briefly talk about a similar experience I had also with Coco so some of you might be familiar with the touring uh show Disney on Ice You know, it's always a different show every time it comes. Some of them are about one specific movie, like Frozen. Some are a combination of movies. And so earlier this summer, I took took myself, yes, to go see one. I'm not ashamed of that whatsoever. And one of the films, there were a couple different movies that were in the production. But one of the stories they were doing was Coco. And again... There were a lot of people from the Hispanic, uh, Spanish, Mexican demographic in attendance. And when it got to the Coco section, all the faces on the little kids, yet, yeah, and from all cultures, but especially the Hispanic cultures just lit up. They were so excited to see a character that in some ways kind of represented them up there on the ice with all the other characters like Cinderella and you know Woody and Buzz from Toy Story it was just a really really cool thing to see I loved seeing the reaction from the kids on that they it was just you could just tell it was a unique experience for them and I had fun watching it too and I'm uh You know, I'm a, I'm a white 25 year old male. So to see these, um, and I, and like I said, I loved it. So to see the reactions, the positive reactions on the faces of these young children who are of Miguel and Coco's demographic, man, it was just, you know, it was, it was powerful. I will say side note, Disney on ice is a great show in general. So yes, I'm throwing that in there. Definitely go if you can. Even if you don't have kids, just go. <laughs> um, Anyway, so yeah, that kind of concludes my thoughts on Coco. Like I said, I'm going to be going down to the Awesome Film Festival next weekend, so might put up an episode about that. But this kind of concludes... Uh, this week's Halloween themed episode talking about Coco thank you all very much for tuning in listening and like I always say you know you've been listening to movies and things you can find our Facebook fan page on Facebook it's just called Movies and Things you can uh, reach out to me Kate and Barry on social media I'm on uh, Facebook and Instagram most actively but anyway so Thank you all very much once again for tuning in this week. I hope these Halloween-themed episodes are bringing you some, some joy for this time of the season. And we'll look forward to more episodes coming soon. Bye.